1: The Cincinnati Bengals are preparing to try to take care of business in Cleveland in a game that seems to mean a whole lot more for the Browns than the Bengals. We'll dive into that on this week's Crossover
2: Thursday. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: It's the Battle of Ohio, and Crossover Thursday is back with Locked On Bengals and Locked On Browns. I'm Jake Lisko from Locked On Bengals. Today with me, Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns. We're here to bring you the biggest stories in Cleveland and in Cincinnati, the biggest matchups, the most important players, and what will need to go right for these teams to come out of week one with a victory, as it's a bit of a litmus test. In week one in the AFC North, things starting in the division. Crossover Thursday brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to slash locked on NFL and use code in all lowercase letters locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And if you're new to the Lockdown Podcast Network, Crossover Thursday, something we do every Thursday where the show's covering the respective teams playing in the upcoming game, get together, preview the game. And we really appreciate all the everydayers out there that don't miss an episode of their favorite Lockdown Podcast and those of you who make us your first listen. And Jeff, today, we're going to get into, to start, the biggest stories in Cincinnati, in Cleveland, in Cleveland. It's a pretty straightforward story, I would say, in Cincinnati, but let's let the the home team go first here, Jeff. What is the biggest story for the Cleveland Browns as the two-time defending AFC North champions are coming to Cleveland for a visit?
0: Whether it, it, Jake, what it is here is the newness for the Cleveland Browns. It is the defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz brought in here, the name brand that was brought in, and not ignoring the fact that, you know, there was nothing here. The reason they had to change defensive coordinators is because the coordinator wasn't good and the players weren't good. The players the Browns don't have that had one year ago to start the season on their defensive line, they're struggling to make practice squads right now. Isaiah Rochelle, Tommy Togiai, Chase Winovich, those type of guys. You bring in uh, a Dalvin Tomlinson, you bring in a Shell. Harris, You bring in a Zadarius Smith, you bring in an Agba Okoronkwo. And then you realize that this team, in Jake, my seven years covering the Cleveland Browns, they have not had a traditional true free safety. You go out, you get a guy in Juan Thornhill. All of these guys, though, with some experience, some championship pedigree to them. Thornhill, two rings. Okoronkwo has a ring. Z'Darrius Smith, obviously, has played in a lot of playoff games during his career. Dalvin Tomlinson was in the playoffs last year. Trying to set the expectations, set the standard of what you want this franchise to be. It's one thing to talk the talk, but it's another thing to have guys who have actually walked the walk and been through it. So this defense now has truly, truly upgraded to the point where they should be a team that should be able to compete for a division should be able to compete in a long stretch run in the playoffs. Offensively, it's one thing to make a $230 million investment in your quarterback, but it's also another thing to double down and make sure that you try to do everything you can to make that first investment hit. You know, Mark Cooper was something that really worked out well for the Cleveland Browns. Donovan Peoples Jones. He's a guy that always plays well. His biggest games of the year, usually are games against Cincinnati Bengals. He matches up well against that team, but you go out and get yourself more, things and more ways to score. The Elijah Moore move, which led to the Cedric Tillman trade, bringing a guy like Marquise Goodwin just because, hey, why not throw a 4-2 wide receiver in there to try and make your quarterback's life easier? Because when he's on the field, everybody has to be accounted for him. They have tight ends. They have a good offensive line. We haven't even brought up Nick Chubb. We've done these episodes for years. Nick Chubb has always been the first name that's ever come up as far as where the Browns are, what they're concerned. Not necessarily an afterthought anymore, but it's just that now there are more guys on that roster, on the offensive side of the ball, who are capable of you know contributing having solid production week in week out like nick chubb has for the browns the, it's it's the total thing of everything is there and i know there's a lot of people out there well it never works out but look it's not this roster has never been put together like it is right now you know miles garrett i didn't even mention the name yet that's because he's playing with players that have abilities not necessarily his but closer to his and you know so this team if it doesn't work, it's going to be crazy insane because you just look at the roster. The talent is there. This is the most talented roster this team has had in years. And this isn't a team that I wins two to three games a year. You know, they've had the year, obviously where they made their playoffs. Then that's seven to eight type of win season, but this is a team that needs to find its way to double digits. And I'm talking 11, 12, and possibly into the team numbers.
1: My big question for Cleveland. And it's something that we'll see as the season goes on is I've bought into Cleveland based on offseason acquisitions in the past, based on coaching acquisitions in the past, and there's a question of culture, and that's something that I think is evident in the way the Cincinnati Bengals consistently carry themselves and is something that I think you need to see come together on any championship-caliber football team is that cohesion in the locker room, the trust that you build between players on your team, I think that's something that Cincinnati has accomplished in a big way, but it's not the biggest story by comparison in Cincinnati this week. It almost has nothing to do with the game. Everyone is waiting for Joe Burrow to sign his deal as of 5 p.m. on Wednesday as we record this episode for Thursday's crossover. There's no deal for Joe Burrow. However, in his first press conference in well over a month, he seemed very unconcerned with getting that deal done, reiterating maybe some... Fans still need to hear this, that he wants to be in Cincinnati for his whole career, and following that up by saying they're working to make that happen, saying a few times the contract will come when it comes. And his general demeanor when discussing the contract, to me, seemed pretty unconcerned. He's very focused on week one. The bigger question that I didn't really have until hearing Joe Burrow talk on Wednesday was, How's that calf? Sounds like things are going really well and it's trending in the right direction. But I had all but dismissed the fact that this calf could be an issue for week one. Joe Burrow said that he's, he's had good days and bad days. And obviously this team goes as Joe Burrow goes. He said, for what it's worth, that Wednesday he's listed as a full participant in practice was a great day but also cautioned that they'd have to see how the next couple of days went. His friend, represented by the same agent out in San Francisco, did sign his mega extension and will presumably report for the 49ers in time for week one. Same agent, time to get another deal done for another guy who attended Ohio State University and Joe Burrow and and just get that off everybody's mind. But I think that is the biggest story. Outside of that, James – or sorry, Jeff, so used to my co-host James – the 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 story for the game to me is the Bengals are looking to take care of business here. They got off to a slow start last year when they lost their long snapper. They threw a game-winning touchdown with time expiring. The, the extra point was missed with a backup long snapper in there. Great play to block that kick. They can't get off to a slow start this year. The ambition in Cincinnati is for the one seed. And so that is the kind of litmus test that we have here in week one, Jeff. And I I told you before we started recording that I I hate week one because it's the king of overreact weeks. But that's what we are facing with two divisional matchups for the Bengals to start the year and and a big one up in Cleveland. And and check this out, Jeff. I I went back and looked. In Joe Burrow's time in Cincinnati, the Bengals' road games against Cleveland have been this season opener, two primetime games, and again, game that Joe Burrow didn't play in because the division was locked up. Talk about big spotlights on when these teams play in Cleveland.
0: There's the rivalry. There is obviously the proximity. Um, in Ohio, you grew up a, team of, a fan of one team or a fan of the other team. Um, it certainly adds some spice to it that obviously Joe Burrow is an Ohio kid himself. Um, and look, you know, the, the full reaction, I mean, the full, you know, the the full plan for the Browns here is, is well, That's what we want. Um, We thought we were closer. Um, The Browns did. They thought they were closer. Baker Mayfield, they thought they were on that, you know, basically pendulum to get there. Things went south and went south badly. And all of a sudden, you know, Joe Burrow turned out to be this guy after one year at LSU who really upped his game to be a fantastic quarterback and put his organization basically on the map to be a prominent late January team every season.
1: Coming up next, we'll get into the biggest matchups. And the most important players in this game. Hint, hint, we've already talked about some of them. We'll continue that conversation next. Today's episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of you against thousands of other players, including pros and sharks and spreadsheet warriors. You pick more or less, on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's simple to play. We love how easy it is to make those picks. You can get your entries in in 60 seconds or less. And the withdrawals are super easy as well and quick. The enormous selection of players and stat types that are available for you to make your picks are what make prize picks. The number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 today. Again, that's prizepicks.com locked on NFL, promo code locked on NFL. Daily fantasy sports made easy with prizepicks.
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, Jeff, let's talk biggest matchups from your perspective for the Cleveland Browns. What is the biggest matchup in terms of deciding this football
0: game in week one? (sighs) Well, this is where it's kind of interesting. And you know, there are a couple of them here on both sides of the ball. But the Browns defensive line, their best work the last few years always seem to come against the Cincinnati Bengals. These guys stepped up, played better than they were, you know, the old line of, you know, the back of their cards. They played the Cincinnati Bengals not like the back of their cards. These guys stepped up. They played better. Of course, Miles Garrett, um, Joe Burrow, one and four against the Browns currently. Miles Garrett, um, you know, five, uh, almost, almost, uh, I think it's 1.8 sacks per game in those, 30 total pressures in those games. So he's obviously been huge in that. But now, you know, the Browns defense line has played well against the Bengals offensive line. But now this is gonna be with better personnel, better overall talent. The Bengals don't play in the preseason. Guess what? When you do what the Bengals have done the last two years, you can stick to your script and do what you do. Um, but it is a it's a rough opening out of the gate, which of course, you know, leads to your thought process of, you know, basically the Duke of Knee reaction, you know what I'm saying, and trying to, you know, just week one is gonna be the be all end all of everything. Um, offensively, you know, the Browns, it, it's, it's weird when we're talking so much more about the Browns quarterback and essentially we show with the investment that was made there and their passing game and their tight ends and their involvement there and less about Nick Chubb, but they're trying to get themselves to a balance of, Hey, we're going to beat you with every, whatever you give to us. If you're going to take away the run, we're going to beat you with the throw. If you're going to overcommit and try to bless the quarterback, we're going to sneak in some more runs to so obviously try to beat you that way with Nick Chubb. Um, but they are they are balanced on offense and it's not this big tilt like it used to be 2019 baker odell jarvis landry this team would be down 10 nothing after two drives 13 nothing after two drives then use Nick Chubb, maybe five out of seven plays, and all of a sudden it was a thirteen to seven game. This team should be able to should be able to you know produce and produce well both ways um, with the passing game. Elijah Moore, and it's going to be interesting how he's used here in Week One because the Browns want to make basically Elijah Moore the chess piece and, you know, the guy where the secondary says, all right, well, he's in the slot. Oh, wait, he's jet. And so as Elijah Moore does all these different things, and I know you like to call it special sauce, obviously. um, When you do all these types of things, you want him to be like, all right, well, we have to focus on where eight's lined up. That's going to dictate how everybody else covers. But it could lead to some bad matchups against a tight end like David Nojoku or leaving a corner that maybe you don't want covering Amari Cooper. So those are what the Browns are trying to strive for. Um, You know, can it all come together quickly in week one? I'm sure we're all hoping for on our size, of course. Um, But that is what you're trying to get to here. You think you have matchup ability. The Browns can play small wide receivers. They can play big wide receivers. It's all a question of just trying to find what balance and what truly works, what truly moves the ball down the field. And, of course, the be-all end-all of it all, what truly puts points on the board.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested to see how Deshaun Watson is able to exist with the changes that have been made on offense, but the defensive side of the ball for the Browns, I think is the most interesting question of week one from a matchup perspective with Jim Schwartz being a stylistically different play caller. And for everything that went wrong, wrong with Cleveland on defense and all the communication issues, whatever the issues were, you you have a team that, handled the Bengals a few times defensively with that previous regime. And, and Jim Schwartz, known for a very uh, elaborate and complex attacking front four that lets him drop seven guys into coverage more often than not, sounded like there was an impetus from the Browns to play more man this year. I will be very interested to see if this is the game that they choose to go heavy man. That has never worked out. For an opposing team with Joe Burrow at quarterback and T Higgins and Jamar Chase at wide receiver. But if you're confident that Denzel Ward is going to play, and we'll see what happens with him as he's working his way back through concussion protocol, limited participant on Wednesday. That matchup, that Jim Schwartz and, and Cleveland schematic defense against what Joe Burrow will want to do with the ball in the hands, what what the Bengals passing offense will want to do is very interesting to me because you're going from from a a quarters-heavy approach with the previous regime to Jim Schwartz known for middle-of-field closed defenses. I'm I'm very curious to see what he does in the back end. I'm worried about the Browns' front four. Don't get me wrong. I think that they will do work in this game, even though the Bengals have improved their offensive line. They'll be disruptive. That's just who they are. That's what their personnel quality suggests. But on the back end, while there is talent there, what does Jim Schwartz do to keep Joe Burrow off balance outside of the pass rush is my question because he's seen so much at this point. I think it's very hard to confuse him. You've seen it happen maybe in two games in the last year where post-snap changes and disguise has actually thrown him off, doesn't tend to repeat mistakes. And if he's healthy and good to go, that should be a very, very fun matchup in this football game. But that being said, Jeff, can can you isolate a most important player, a single most important player in this game from your perspective for the Cleveland Browns?
0: It's difficult because there's so much newness. Um, but for me, and I think my biggest takeaway from the Browns preseason finale against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was Juan Thornhill, just driving on interception and taking it to the house. This is something the Browns just have never had. Look, we've never had it's funny to say this. They never had a free safety. They never had defensive tackles. So, like, Browns fans got like, you know. They got Hanukkah and Christmas all at the same time. They got a whole boatload of presents of things that they're not familiar with, um, and it comes down obviously to the you know the what can make Juan Thornhill great for this defense is kind of what you're speaking on here is you know with Emerson, with Newsom, with Denzel Ward, and the coverage that these guys can give. And look, this is the most difficult test. You know, obviously this wide receiver core: Chase, Higgins. Boyd, um, and it's it's weird that we live in this world where Boyd is undervalued because before there was a Higgins, before there was a Jamar Chase, they had a problem with Boyd each and every time they always faced him. He was just this beast over the middle and just knows how to play the slot so well. But for me, it, it's probably Juan Thornhill because this is an X factor the Browns have never had. You know, I don't think they care much whatsoever he's going to do essentially within the first ten yards, of course, from the line of scrimmage. But the fact that they can get somebody to contribute, create turnovers, make turnovers down the field, this is something that has not happened. And it it's defense coordinator, no defense coordinator, talent. They have not had this type of guy. And whatever defensive coordinator was here beforehand has not had this type of guy.
1: Will be interesting for sure. For the Bengals, I think it's relatively straightforwardly Joe Burrow. I don't know that I need to elaborate on that very much. He is the guy that makes the team go. I'm surprised it's not Deshaun Watson for the Cleveland Browns. I understand that. You know you've got a running game to lean on there. Certainly, if Deshaun isn't firing on all cylinders, but how he performs this year seems like it's going to be critically important to the Browns' success. But outside of Burrow and outside of the quarterbacks for the Bengals, we I, I love to highlight DJ Reader in these games. That matchup on the interior of the the Browns' offensive line against DJ Reader in this running game is always a heck of a lot of fun because DJ Reader, as we all know, avid listeners of Lockdown Bengals anyway, one of the best run defending interior defensive lineman in the NFL, and then Trey Hendricks and Jedrick Wills. That's going to be a really interesting matchup as well as far as the passing game goes. In addition to the, the trench, the trenches from the other direction with Orlando Brown and Jonah Williams, the new tackle tandem in Cincinnati to go against the Darius Smith and Miles Garrett. Coming up next, we'll dive into what has to go right for each of these teams to win their week one contest, get some predictions, and that's it. That's going to be the end of the crossover. So we'll get into what needs to go right for each team to win coming up next.
0: These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster And for free, it's simple. Put out what you're looking for as far as education, as far as, you know, uh, computer skills, computer familiarness, as far as programs. Then you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs, number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals also brought to you by our returning local partner, Schultz Jewelers and Fort Mitchell, celebrating 70 years of business this year. And when you need perfect jewelry, like Joe Burrow needs a perfect pass to Jamar Chase, Schultz Jewelers has you covered with owner Matt Schultz, a diehard Bengals fan himself, born and raised in Cincinnati. So you know he's going to be passionate about those same Cincinnati traditions and family values that you are. Matt's background in education fosters a relaxed environment in his store as he and his staff guide you patiently through each step of buying or custom designing your jewelry while they bend over backwards to accommodate you, ensuring your vision is brought to life and that your budget stays intact. Schultz Jewelers is a modern jewelry store between their unique custom designs and their top-rated permanent jewelry. There really isn't anyone like them, and you'll find them at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky, or check them out online from the convenience of your home at schulzdiamonds.com. We know the Bengals strive for perfection. Schultz Jewelers does, too, because when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz Jewelers. Let's talk what needs to go right for these teams to win their football games. Jeff, from a Browns perspective, is it as simple as disrupt Joe Burrow with those pass rushers, don't let them get a running game going and do enough on offense, or are your expectations even higher for the offense?
0: Well, this is where yeah, I believe this defense with the improved talent should hopefully play well. But this is where we bring in Deshaun Watson. And the $230 million contract, you were supposed to throw for a completion percentage well above 65. You should be a guy who should throw for 4,300 yards. You're Deshaun Watson. You should be a guy who should throw for north of 30 touchdowns. You are Deshaun Watson. You have the talent given to you at the skill positions. You have a top shelf offensive line in this league. Granted, they're going to be doing more pass pro than they've been familiar with in years past. You still have Nick Chubb, the defense. And I don't want to say you're just going to trot it out there and they're going to succeed against the Cincinnati Bengals. And there is so much newness. But you do believe that a team that always finds a way to get up for the Bengals. And in the beginning, it was just getting up for an in-state rival. Recently, it has obviously been getting up for the fact that your in-state rival has now become a very, very successful franchise within the AFC North, going to Super Bowls, going to AFC Championship games. But you need to go out there and perform like you were you know being paid to perform. There is a lot of money invested to this franchise. You have a head coach and a general management now, both in year four or five-year contracts. This is the time where you're starting talking about success keeps those guys around gets those guys' contracts renegotiated and extended, obviously. So they need to come in here. And it look, it's always going to be about Deshaun. We I can highlight any one of these players on this 52 man, uh, 53 man roster. But when that investment was made, that was an investment to say that this guy is going to deliver AFC North Championships. He is going to deliver hosting playoff games. He should deliver possibly, a, a um, obviously, an AFC Championship game, the possibility to go with Super Bowl. These are the expectations that you put on this man putting that contract out there. The Bengals have gotten lucky. They've gotten this on a rookie deal, and they're going to obviously have to pay the Piper for that, which they'll be happ- happy to do. But the Browns paid this for a guy who has not done any of this yet for their franchise. They paid him for the true expectation of doing that for their franchise.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point. We'll see how Deshaun plays. I think that that obviously goes a long way for Cleveland's season. I think on both sides of the ball here, protection is going to be important in the passing game. But beyond that, that's a pretty obvious thing. I think that there's a few matchups on both sides in the trenches where defenses are going to look to exploit. If that's Miles Garrett and Jonah Williams, if that's Trey Hendrickson and Jedrick Wills, I think that there's some some defensive linemen in this game licking their chops a little bit as far as the pass rush goes and, and maybe whoever makes a bigger play there is what determines the outcome of the game. But beyond that, I think for the Bengals, the run game is sneaky important here. We've talked about this in the past with this team. If teams are going to treat them the way that they treated them last year, and you would expect them to do so and be so heavily dead set on taking away the deep ball, taking away the explosive, the quick strike opportunities to Jamar chase from Joe burrow, the, the deep shots. You got to be able to run the ball efficiently and stay ahead of the chains, especially when there's a Miles Garrett and a Darius Smith on the other side of the ball. So if the Bengals are able to do that and stay on schedule on early downs, not get themselves into third and long situations, I think that that is going to be a fairly important matchup for the Bengals. The offensive line in general is going to be under a microscope. It's a new unit out there protecting Joe Burrow. They haven't had a ton of success with keeping those guys healthy deep into a season when they were healthy, getting into that big win streak to finish the year last year for the Bengals. Things were a lot better for this offense, but the offensive line is going to have to play well in this game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, going to be interesting to see how Chidobe Awuzie responds in his first game back from the ACL tear, which occurred on Halloween in Cleveland last year, going back to the place that it occurred for his first game action, but has looked great throughout the preseason. Excited to see that secondary out there to go against this improved Browns weapon group with the addition of Elijah Moore, who, again, is going to be fascinating. But I think that with the the lack of a clear idea of what Jim Schwartz is going to want to do, probably keeping some of those ideas on defense off tape this preseason, and he's going to unleash them in week one, I think that these scenes are... are the Browns have made enough strides to get close enough in roster quality to the point where this game could come down to who adjusts faster and more accurately in game and and can find the right buttons to push to adjust. Because I do think there will be some wrinkles from this Bengals offense as well that they didn't show in the preseason. And and like I said, I think that running game, and I, I don't think the Bengals will be shy necessarily about testing that Browns remade front to see if they have figured out their running defense will we'll go a long way in determining the, the kind of way the game plays out from a game script perspective. And I think that that's important in these games with these really good pass rushers, with all these strong players on the defensive side of the ball. And a new group, like you said, Jeff, uh, a new defensive leadership group there that will be calling games differently, I think, stylistically, and trying to keep things more simple for those Browns defenders. All that said, do you have a strong feeling about the way this game is going to go, Jeff, here on Wednesday
0: evening? Do you, do you have a prediction for us? Just to preface this, guys, uh, neither Jake or I like to do predictions because those can be the ones that come back to bite you in the can, so to speak. Um, I think if the Browns win, they win by double digits. I think if the Browns lose, they lose by double digits. I, I think they're either going to come out ready. Look, they've played more. Obviously, they are more, you know, ready. Look, the Bengals, they do what they do. And look, and nobody's going to question what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing right now, which, you know, a couple of years ago, people would have been like, oh, what? But no, like, you win, you do what you want. You don't want to play people in the summer. Don't play people in the summer. You know, they're meaningless snaps, and their yeah, injury risk is ridiculous. And it's, you know, obviously, the Browns went through it with Denzel Ward, and we still don't know whether or not he's going to be available. But if the Browns, I think because of the recent success that they've had, um, if they do win this, it, it should go pretty handily. Is it going to stop the Cincinnati Bengals from doing what they do? Nope. Hasn't stopped them from doing what they've done the last few seasons. So we'll see the way it all plays out here. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's either the Browns are going to win by 10 or, or 10 or more or they're going to lose by 10 or more. That's you know that's kind of been the way that this series has gone here over the last few years between this these teams, but that team when Joe Burrow is the quarterback. So you're thinking really lopsided, huh? Uh, that's
1: interesting. Uh, I,
0: I, my only, my only thing is, is and look, and look, we can say Joe is one hundred percent. Do we know whether or not he's one hundred percent? No. But this is a really tough matchup to come back on, and and there's probably no way he's hundred percent. And this might not be the best defensive line to have to come back to face in an opener. And, you know, and of course, we know nobody's really taking a shot or giving a 100% true pass rush at Joe Burrow in training camp because they'd be thrown out the door and not welcome to the city of Cincinnati anytime soon. So, I mean, there's factors that play in the Browns' favor. But, I mean, hey, I've said that a million times, and I've always had to do a postgame show where we talked about how the Browns lost.
1: Yeah, it's <sighs> – so way things go, and I, I think that a lot of that is culture, leadership, and I'm going to be very interested to see how that plays out in Cleveland this year. Like I said earlier in the show, for for me, everyone who listens regularly knows that, like you said, score predictions, not my thing. When I was going through the schedule, though, the, the goal for the Bengals, I think, realistically is one seed in the AFC, despite how difficult the division is, despite how challenging the conference is, and I think that they know how important it is for them to get off to a fast start this year. That's going to do it for this crossover Thursday. Check out both Lockdown Browns and Lockdown Bengals, depending on which perspective you want the most for a game preview coming up in our next episode. And until then, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Crossover Thursday on the Lockdown Podcast Network.